Welcome to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, the first podcast to focus on the political side of pharmacy. Here's your host, Eric Geyer. Welcome Political Pharmacist Podcast listeners. Today we have a special episode in store for you with author Dr. Laura Happy. Dr. Happy got her PharmD from the University of Creighton in 2003 and a Master's of Public Health from the University of South Florida in 2005. She's also currently the author of a book called If You Give an Ox an Oxy. It's kind of a a unique twist on a kid's book here, and I really think it's going to be an interesting topic for discussion. With that, we're going to hop right into it. Uh, Laura, what are some of the other current roles you have in in the past and recently? Thanks for the introduction, Eric. I appreciate uh, that and the opportunity to be on the show. Currently, I have a a few different roles. I split my time between I am the editor-in-chief of the Journal of Managed Care and Specialty Pharmacy. So I hope that Several of your listeners get that journal delivered delivered to their work because we do publish a lot on policy and, and policy related to, to pharmacy. So definitely a, a good fit there. Uh, I also am on faculty at the University of Florida where I lead the managed care pharmacy track in their online master's program. That program attracts a lot of students who are already practicing pharmacists. Uh, It is definitely tailored towards people who are currently full-time employed, meets on Sunday nights, for example, to kind of accommodate accommodate the working adult and just kind of really give some different options for pharmacists to differentiate themselves and then uh, advance their careers. I also am on faculty at Wingate University School of Pharmacy, which is in Charlotte, South Carolina, where I live. So I've got a little bit of a local role there too as well. Yeah, pretty well, pretty well rounded there in a lot of your uh, different topics that you cover and different aspects of pharmacy. So that's awesome. It's always good to have some of those insights since I'm just a retail pharmacist myself. Uh, uh, so. There's no jest about it. You're, you're on the front lines. Well, thank you. I, I, I do say that, but yeah, that, that is very true. Um, <laughs> so with that, kind of the reason we brought you here today is you wrote a book called If You Give an Ox an Oxy, which I think is a great title. Uh, we'll kind of get into that a little bit here. It's a children's book. And so what kind of inspired you to write this? Yeah, that's a, a great question. So there's really two main reasons that I wrote the book. First, I'm a parent myself. I have my husband and I have a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old. So they're really starting to get to that age where there's a lot of you know complex conversations that we're having with them. And we've found ourselves purchasing books that are sort of read-along books to help navigate conversations around topics from bullying to internet safety to puberty. And I've really found the books to be tremendously helpful in navigating those conversations. Of course, as a pharmacist, I'm thinking about, you know, having conversations with my kids about uh, drugs of abuse as that will start to become uh, something that we need to address with them. And I, I got to look in and there really wasn't a lot out there on the topic of, you know, one of the biggest issues that our country is facing today on the opioid crisis. So, so that was kind of the first reason. The second reason is like you and most of your listeners, I'm, I'm a pharmacist and gosh, the, the origin of this epidemic is certainly very complex and multifaceted, but, you know, arguably the profession of pharmacy, you know, played a role in the situation that we're in today. 
And so as I've worked um, in my profession and in different roles I've had, I've uh, actually had an opportunity to lead an opioid task force at a national healthcare company level. And sort of my philosophy behind any of these efforts is that, you know, this is, it was a multifaceted origin. It's going to take a multifaceted solution. And so, you know, everyone has a part to play. And from wherever you sit, you should take it upon yourself to try to address what you can with the opioid epidemic. So sort of once I kind of got the idea for the book, it, it just felt like, you know, it was on my heart that I had this role to play as a pharmacist in delivering this message. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. A lot of times, especially with pharmacy, which is why I kind of started this podcast, we're talked about in so many different aspects, whether it be drug prices, opioids, what have you, drug addiction. But with that, we don't hear a whole lot of pharmacists that are actually on the front lines making these speaking points, whether it be to Congress or to state legislators or any of those kind of aspects. So I, I, that's kind of why what drew me to this book was the fact that you saw a way that you could kind of make your own lane and get your voice out there. And that's why I, I really liked it and want to get you on here. Uh, what exactly is the book about, just about this ox who gets Oxycontin or kind of what, what is it actually about? Can you tell us a little bit about the story? Absolutely. So you mentioned in the introduction that this is a parody or a spinoff of a young children's book series. And the, the main book that started the series is called If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. And then there's been several other books added to that series. If you give a mouse, uh, I'm sorry, if you give a moose a muffin, uh, if you give a pig a pancake. Laura Numeroff is the author of this book series, and it's a New York Times bestseller. And gosh, just I feel like it's really ubiquitous in our culture today uh, for for young children. The I, you know I was really just kind of thinking about it one day, and the the storyline of these books follows a pattern. So the storyline is such that the character, uh, you know, eats the cookie or eats the pancake or eats the muffin at the start of the story. And then it's a cause and effect. So once the moose has eaten the muffin, then he wants some jelly to go with it. Then he wants a napkin and it's this cascade of cause and effect events. And then at the end of each story, the character circles back to whatever that original thing was that they ate, that food that they ate. And so to me, I, you know, made this connection that, you know, this is the story of really any type of addiction. Uh, you know, you first try it and then uh, you continue down this path. You might get into remission and recovery. And then, you know, it's the trajectory of addiction is that, you know, most people will relapse multiple times before they enter sort of permanent recovery. And so I felt like the storyline just really told that story and so, you know, I thought there was an opportunity to kind of play off that children's story that, you know, all of our teenagers today heard growing up, their parents read it to them and spin that off into a book for, you know, say 12 years and older. And so that, that's what I did. So I kind of followed the same storyline. So the ox takes uh, an oxy for an Oxycontin for an appropriate medical use. And then he kind of goes through, uh, spins out of control enters remission or recovery um, and remission and then ultimately relapses. And then what I've tried to do is make it really relevant to the audience of the teenagers. So on every page where it's kind of going through this childlike story, it is also includes on the, the facing page statistics, 
infographics, uh, plain language summaries at their level of what, for example, what is an opioid, what is addiction, why do some people become addicted and other people don't. So it's getting that message across at their level, but it's kind of having doing it in sort of a fun and a approachable way. Yeah, I think that's a, a great point you make there of how to make it approachable, yet make it something relevant that can be talked to at their level. We kind of talked about it in preceding this episode, but even things like sex ed are being cut and modified in what's being taught in school. Drug addiction is another one of those that is really hard to talk about when it comes to kids or parents. And it's a very sensitive subject. Sometimes the parents might not know what the kid's even been exposed to, their own child. And so that makes it a little more difficult because the child doesn't want to necessarily look guilty in the process or have to admit things that they might think will get them in trouble. So I think that's, I think that's really big of, big of you to do it in such a manner that makes it easier for those preteens, early teenage years to kind of understand. And yet making it relatable to something simple like a children's book is just awesome because it almost brings back that little bit of uh, nostalgia in, in their mind, if you will. So I, sure. I, I'm really a huge fan of that because it makes it super relatable <laughs> on all those fronts. Yeah. With that, the age group, you kind of mentioned you had a 13-year-old, about 12-year-old. What is the the rough range you were looking to make this for? Is it just the, that preteen or is it a little bit younger? Where do you think kind of this would fit in, in in a curriculum if, say, a teacher was talking about it or a parent wanted to give it to their give it to their kid and read it with them? Sure. So, so my advice is 12 years of age and up. And uh, I think that there is a lot of variation in that. There are certainly some 12 year or some children that are younger than 12 that would be, you know, ready and ripe to have this conversation with their parent or a trusted adult. There's some kids that really might not be ready until they're 14. You know, I actually, uh, when I was working on this process, you know, I had my son was 12 at the time, and I said, okay, well, let's do some little informal. I'm a researcher, right? So let's do some little <laughs> informal focus groups <laughs> with that, my that's son. That's such and a his pharmacist friends. way of doing that. <laughs> of course, of course. I did send out a survey to all of my friends who have kids in the same age group and ask them to let their children read it and provide me feedback. And uh, <laughs> But w one thing that I really found interesting talking with my son and his friends and kind of going through the book is, you know, they had a concept of drugs. You know, they knew that drugs exist and drugs were bad and that they should not use drugs. But really, it was I was introducing to them the notion that there are different types of drugs and these different types of drugs have names like marijuana and opioids and uh, methamphetamines, for example. These were this was just sort of a new concept to them. They they just didn't really even understand that that could possibly exist. So, you know, again, I think there's huge geographical variation and also depends, as you pointed out, what they have talked about in school and what they haven't. But in general, my, my age recommendation is, is 12 years and up. Yeah, I think that's a good point too. The, uh, the geographic or area differences that might actually make this relevant to people. Uh, I used to volunteer back in high school with my mom at uh, some local schools here in Cleveland that were inner city to try and help as like a career fair to kind of show them like what they can do, what they can grow into. And obviously my mom's a pharmacist, so she was there representing the pharmacy side. And she'd be very careful about words she chose because of the connotation with the terms like drugs or medicine. And it was actually pretty eye-opening to me even back then how many 
third and fourth graders knew what drugs were. And that's a little bit younger than where you're at with this. But again, that's where the geographical differences come in and what they're exposed to with their life. Maybe for them, having it at a slightly younger age would be uh, would be better for them. And I'm not saying just inner city because I know this affects the suburbs and the rural areas as well. But again, tailoring it to the area or to the child even is, is huge with this because it is such a such a sensitive and potentially life-altering topic for them. So I think that's a really good call up by you there. Uh, sure. Yeah. I, I, I guess I just add on to that, you know, really while I have a recommended age range, you know, I think ultimately it's up to the discretion of the adult in that child's life. They're the, in the best position to judge that. And the other thing I would say about that is I really view this, like who is the purchaser of the book? And I view the purchaser of the book to be the adult for the child that they're going to have the conversation with. I don't view, you know, that children are likely to go out and, you know, be looking at Harry Potter and other <laughs> books that they're interested in and say, hey, yeah, I want to read about this. So I very much think it, it's adult, adults in their lives, and um, I encourage adults to, to make that choice for what's the right age for their unique child. Yeah, and I would definitely definitely like to see this kind of rolled out even wider than that if it could be. Like when schools are teaching high schoolers about health and their health classes, I think by that point, everyone has a pretty good understanding of it in America these days. And I know we talked about drug addiction and drug abuse in my high school class, which dating myself was back to the early 2000s at this point. And we were in a very different time then than we are now. So, you know, that I could sure. also see where maybe some health teachers were kind of jumping in on this, not to dumb it down, but just to ha- break the wall down for that discussion, if you will, in an easy, easier way. Sure. Yeah. So with that, how long did it take you to write this book? You know, it wasn't super time consuming. You know, really what I was trying to do was kind of follow that narrative of the series that I'm making a parody of and sort of poking fun at. But then what I, you know, there was a component of looking up the data and the research to supplement the story. And then there was also a big component, This and this was a new experience for me, but, you know, pulling in an illustrator, pulling in uh, someone to do the graphics. So that was sort of a team that I pulled together. And so I'd say all in the process with us all working on it and having different jobs, also day jobs, it's probably a couple of months to really pull together the final product that went to the publisher for publication. And uh, along those lines, I'll, I'll point out another thing that I just think is, you know, a great sort of story of collaboration that will resonate with your audience. So, you know, one thing I was really looking for was what what is the statistic and really how many young people have died from the opioid epidemic or from opioid overdoses? You know, I was really kind of interested in that statistic. And it's not broken out that way in any sort of the national sort of CDC or NIDA reports that come out. Uh, But while I was working on this project, there was a team from Yale who published a study that did uh, break down the number of opioid deaths in 2016 by age bands. So I thought that I had kind of found that source that would be my statistic. But alas, uh, they did 25 and younger. And, you know, I just thought, hey, it doesn't hurt to ask. So I emailed the author, I told her what I was up to, you know, and I said, would you be willing to, to uh, pull out the 18 and younger age group for me? Um, and she did. So I was able to get that number. 
And uh, tragically, that number in 2016 was that 669 people under the age of 18 uh, died of an opioid over overdose. And so uh, because of her collegiality and her work in analyzing that data, I was able to include that in the book, which I think will be uh, impactful for the readers. Yeah, that's huge. I, I guess I never really thought to look at that much. I always kind of looked at the overall deaths due to opioids. But yeah, 18 and under, that's... 600 might not be the huge number in the grand scheme of things, but that's 600 people who probably had no idea what they were messing with when it comes to this beast. And that's a good reason why we need a book like this. Right. Uh, right. So with that, uh, where can we find your book? How much is it? And what's the best way to get it? Sure. So the book will be published on November 19th. So that is the impending launch date, date, which we are very excited about. When it launches on November 19th, it will be available everywhere that you buy books, both physically in stores and also um, for online purchase. It is If you can't wait until November 19th, it is also available now um, as an ebook version, uh, primarily through um, Amazon on Kindle. The uh, price for the paperback is $12.99 and the price for the ebook is $9.99. And, you know, another thing that I uh, found sort of interesting is there there has been some real interest from pharmacists in in this book and, you know, thinking about, you know, being an accessible healthcare provider and sort of sharing this uh, with their communities. So I've had a couple of pharmacies that were interested in carrying it in their stores. So I would welcome and encourage any of your listeners that are working in a retail setting um, if you're interested in, in carrying it in your stores, please feel free to, to reach out to me and I can kind of put you in touch with the uh, retail purchasing side um, and make that happen. You know, that's a good point. I work for a, a big bo- a big chain retailer and I'm definitely going to submit that up as an idea of, hey, maybe we should carry this as kind of like a, a do-good thing, if you will. And if we make some money off it, sweet, so be it, you know, that sort of thing. Because it is right in our sure. wheelhouse of what we do especially in, in my state of Ohio up here and where you work in Florida. Those are two huge areas that we could have an impact with that for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so for retailers, there would be the, a retail price at which you would purchase it at so that you would, of course, make a, a, a markup on it in your sale. Uh, the other thing that we have available for purchase is we do have bulk purchase options. So if someone, you know, say an interested parent wanted to really make sure that all the kids that their kids are in school with or community organization wanted to buy it uh, for, you know, a certain grade level, there there are bulk prices available and, and I can put folks in touch with that if they're interested. That, be, that might be a great idea for some uh, c- uh, county-based libraries or something like that to make sure there's enough in the area yeah. to go around. That's a great idea. Hey, yeah. I really appreciate you hopping on the podcast with me to talk about your book, If You Give an Ox an Oxy. Thank you so much for sharing about it. And thank you most of all for writing it because I really think that people might think this is just a silly book, but something like this that breaks it down and introduces the topic in a way that's very easy could be an absolute game changer and hopefully changing the way that the now generation sees drugs like opioids and things like that. So thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. Eric, thank you for having me and thank you for leading this important podcast to activate pharmacists to to take action. It's great. Thanks, Abian. I greatly appreciate it. Again, listeners, that's it for today's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. A little different take on politics, a little bit more fun, hopefully, but 
If you have any questions, uh, Laura Happy, you can reach out to. That's Happy, H-A-P-P-E. She's on the LinkedIn, all the other different social media if you have any questions for her directly. Thanks again, Laura. Have a great day.